0: I have been sharing with you uh, a series this month in the Protestant Reformation. This coming Sunday, next Sunday, actually Tuesday, the 31st of October, marks the 500th anniversary of the beginning of what we understand as the Western Protestant Reformation, where Martin Luther was sick of his own oppressive way of living a religious life that was based on rules and regulations and things that he never really understood, but it was not sustainable for him emotionally. It was not sustainable for for him spiritually, and he knew God had something else. He was not satisfied with the kind of rule-regulated relationship that he had with God. So he studied it, and as he's searching in his own soul, he encounters this verse in the book of Romans that says, the just shall live by faith. And that not only liberated his conscience, liberated his spirit, liberated his soul from rules and regulations, and he understood that the only one that could actually save and give him peace and can justify him, justification means you're right with God. That's what that means. You're okay with God. Is God Himself. God does that. We cannot do it ourselves. So I've been sharing a series. Do you have that? Yeah. So we've been sharing a series of the slogans of the Reformation, which we understand them to be by grace alone, by scripture alone, God, glory to God alone, that's next week, in Christ alone, that was last week. By faith alone was the second week. In the first week, we found out that we are saved purely by God's grace. That's it. You can't add anything. You can't contribute to that salvation. Because then we found out that the way to live that life that God has gifted us with, that new person that we are, that old thing that died... And that new thing that has been born, that new us, that new me that has been born, is to walk by faith. And we understood that walking by faith is not only believing in God, it is mostly believing God. And there's a big difference between believing in God and believing God. Last week, we found out that that grace that God gave us by sheer love of God's own creation and that faith that God gave us to sustain us in that walk with God, by believing God, was given to us through Christ alone. And that Christ's sacrifice satisfied was enough to satisfy God's issue with humanity. So is not Christ plus me coming to church that makes me and gets me to heaven, We can add anything because it is Christ alone. The sacrifice of Christ satisfied God's demand for justification. And God said in Christ, it's okay. That is why we are in Christ and we are reconciled in Christ. We are a new creation in Christ. That's why we can claim and live in those realities because we are in Christ. Due to God's grace, the faith that God has given us, and through Christ alone, next week, we're going to, I'm going to give you a test next week. So I have to tell the, the, my, my admin that not to make so many bulletins, because once I announce a test, people don't show up. <laughs> when I was a college professor, I used to tell my students the day before the review, because I was one of those teachers, I would give a review for the test in college, right? I would tell them these words. It is very important for the furtherment of your college career to attend the review. Because they did not know that I was writing the exam as I'm doing the review. Those who attended the review, oh, yeah, you better come to the review. But they only had one chance because it was a midterm and a final. That was it. But that was when I could be mean as a teacher. <laughs> now I like to be graceful. And, and there are some people here that kick me in my toes which I appreciate. So today I want to talk about the question about Scripture. What was it about Scripture that it was so important? The question, the reformers, and the questions that there was an argument within the soul of these individuals that were reforming the church was, how are we saved? Are we saved because of what the Pope says? Are we saved because the money we pay to buy the indulgence? Are we saved because we do the sacraments, we obey the rules, we obey the schedule, we do the things that we're supposed to do? Well, the text right there says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves because it is a gift of God. So then the question is, when we're dealing with sola scriptura, only scripture, it's not whether the scripture is true or not. That was not the debate that was taking place in the Reformation. It wasn't whether the scripture was really reliable or not, whether it was trustworthy or not. That wasn't what was debated in the Reformation. What was debated in the Reformation was the issue, who has the authority to tell you that you're saved? Think about it. Historically, that was the question that was being discussed. Who has the authority? Does the Pope have the authority to tell you that you're saved? And the Reformer said, no, Scripture alone has the authority to inform me because it is God's word to me that I am saved because of God's grace through faith alone. But let's play the game. And and let's think about the first item that we want to deal with, inspiration. Is the Word of God inspired? We're going to ask three questions this morning. Is the Word of God inspired? Is it reliable? And then we'll end up with the idea, is it authoritative? Does it make sense for us to believe it? Notice what I said, not believe in it, believe it, believe the message, believe the truth that it says about us, and believe the truth that it says about itself. And that's where we begin, for God, breath, all scriptures, and listen to the words that I'm going to read from 1 Timothy. Now, Paul is writing to Timothy, and and Timothy is a, a disciple of Paul. Beloved disciple of Paul, he trained him, he loved him. And if you begin chapter 3 with verse 1, you're going to find a comparison of, of lifestyles. You're going to find a comparison of what people are, uh, uh, follow. And the first part of the chapter is in the world you will find people who are deceivers, people who, who love themselves more than anything else, people who love, who are greedy, and all those characteristics that you and I are well familiarized with, but we don't talk about. So they are displayed right there. So then Paul contrasts that style of living that has no authority except your own pleasure that lifestyle that has no other guideline except your own desires to satisfy your trinity you know who your trinity is me myself and i we sometimes move in this world trying to satisfy our trinity instead of god but listen to how then paul teaches timothy not to rely on the thinking of the world or the tendencies of what we know our flesh wants to do, but to find another standing, to find another foundation upon which we can build our lives, our attitudes, and our relationship. And he says this, listen to it, and, and you have it in your, in your worship guides. But you must remain faithful, Paul says to Timothy, to the things you have been taught, you know they are true, for you know, they, you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God, and is useful to teach what is true, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it. Listen to this. God uses it to beat you over the head. What? Why are you laughing? Oh. Oh. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. The Word of the Lord. So you see, we, we, we begin with the idea, is it inspired by God? Well, it is fascinating that the concept of inspiration basically means that. Breathe breath by God. It was given by God. It is not only inspired, it is guided by God. Listen to the idea. The Bible is unlikely... As It's a very unlikely book because, first of all, it's not one book. It's a collection of 66, 7, 8, who knows? We have our Western Bible that has 66 books. The Roman Catholic Bible has some other books. That's okay. They must like to read more than I do. But Scripture teaches us all truth has come from God, was given from God. You know, the amazing thing of the entire issue of Scripture Inspiration is it took, listen to this, 2,000 years for what we consider the Bible to be written. 2,000 years. It took 40 plus individuals from different cultures. You know why I say cultures? Because the American culture of 1920 is not the same as the American culture of 2017. And if they were writing in a span of 2,000 years, they were writing in different cultures, even though most of them were Jews or Hebrews. Not only that, they wrote in three or four different continents with no GPS. With no internet to compare texts. With no way of finding out and verifying and calling, hey, is this the right email? No way of corroborating. And these documents come together in such a way that is very supernatural. Historians have tried to destroy it, they have not. Atheists have tried to, you know, argue it, and they can. Because the Bible is not an answer book for everything that we have in life. The Bible is conscribed, it is limited to a story of faith. Many of us may want to make it a whole bunch of other stuff. Oh, it's got archaeology, it's got history, it's got political science, it got business theory, it got economic, it got all philosophy, it has all that stuff. But the purpose of it is God's love story for you and I to bring us closer to God. From Genesis to Revelation, the internal consistency, the line that thread through all the 66 books throughout 2,000 years in 40 different writers, the story is the same. And the communications were not as they are today. Inspiration means that God gave individuals the words and the experience. It is not one way of transmission. It was not that God said, okay, I'm going to write this because God is telling me. There was some of that. There was some who told their story and how God interfered in their lives and thus giving God the glory, you see. So there were many ways in which we gather these stories, many ways in which we gather this this document that we call the Bible who was inspired by God. The second question that we're asking, is it reliable? Can I trust it? Can I trust the document? I mean, the only reason why we even ask that question is because we don't even trust each other. That's what it comes down to. And the only reason why we even ask the question, is it reliable, is because we don't trust ourselves also. So we like to satisfy our own doubt. We like to satisfy our own mystery or suspicion with logical arguments. Oh, yeah, the Bible is reliable. I can trust it because. Well, there are a lot of historical arguments that it is reliable. It is trustworthy in our relationship with God. It gives stories and the truth about faith, salvation, worship, and how to behave, and ethics. It is historically and archaeologically and literary accurate. By the way, it is the source of new ways of literary expressions. The gospel had never been written. No gospel has ever been written before. And no gospel has ever been written afterwards, except ours. The Bible's uh, reliability is proven in both history's accuracy and the accuracy of transmission. This is a big word. How the words were transmitted 2,000 years ago throughout history. Not typing, they were written. So what we like to do, and this is one of my fun games. I like to find a text and then I like to explore what is the oldest copy of that text that we have? And there is the, 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 one of the I am's of Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The earliest copy of just that little fragment. It's a little piece of fragment. It's big, as big as this piece of the glass. piece of paper like that. Uh, uh, papyra. This is the year 50. After Christ. That's the earliest one. And you can see. The Dead Sea Scrolls who were found in the 40s and then deciphered throughout, they confirm the reliability of the transmission of the books of the Old Testament into what we have today. Amazing accuracy transmitted for thousands of years, hundreds of years, from one generation to the other. Who's in charge of that? Amen. You see, God used authors is the writer, or the other way around. God used writers, but God is the author. So I consider the Bible to be reliable, and, you know, the questions that we have, if you want to get into study that, we can do a lot of good studies in that area. Now, the third question, and we're finishing with this one, is it authoritative? Can I depend on it? Does it command me? Does it have some kind of value? Well, the unity of the theme and purpose of the 66 books kind of rely that, you know, kind of say that. Is it authoritative? Does it say it's God's Word? Yes, it says, for every Scripture is breathed by God. It is given by God. And we have in the same stories, when God spoke to Elijah, when God spoke to Moses, when God spoke to Daniel, when God spoke to to Rebecca, when God spoke, when God spoke, when God spoke, and then God speaks through through Jesus Christ in Scriptures, and then God sends the Holy Spirit to speak to us, the church. Is it authoritative? Does it really mean what it means? If it says that we are saved by faith, can somebody else tell me something else? If it says that we're saved by grace through faith, can somebody else tell me yes, but then you have to come to church every single day, you have to pay your tithes, and I want to see your taxes, because I want to make sure that you pay your tithes. No, that doesn't happen here. Not yet. You see, the Scripture that we have in our hands, that we have in our phones, that we have in our tablets, that we have in our old bound books, is a story of salvation. So is the story of faith and salvation inspired? Is it reliable? Is it authoritative? You know, we could develop all sorts of arguments. I could spend this is a whole semester in, in seminary studying Scripture. And I'm only trying to do it here in 15 or 20 minutes with your grace. So we could develop the most sophisticated argument for the inspiration, reliability, and authoritativeness of Scripture. We could also develop the most reasonable and logical presentation so as to satisfy our intellect. But our soul may remain empty. Our soul may remain lonely in desolation, hungry and perhaps thirsty, for truth, for faith, for hope, for understanding, and ultimately our thirst is for God's love. These questions may be answered, and that is good. But God's word for God's people is inspired, is reliable, is authoritative. Okay, but it's also nurturing to the soul. It is a fountain of wisdom. It's the lamp to my feet and path and a light to my path, as we sang at the beginning. It is a source of faith. It is a source of peace. It is a source of hope. It teaches. It rebukes. It explains. It speaks to us. It also guides you to what is right and warns you about what is not. It confronts prejudices and narrowness of heart and mind. It encourages equality. It promotes peace and reconciliation. It challenges our sinful tendencies. It exposes us as we truly are before God and ourselves. It inspires and motivates. It leads us to God and not just to ourselves. It is the written Word of God that is alive and well because it is God's letter for you, and it is fresh every morning. Listen to the words of the psalmist as he says, Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for your word. And I apologize for the limitations of mine. We thank you for your spirit. And I ask your forgiveness for the poverty of mine. We thank you for the richness that you have given us in Christ. And we praise you for it. Through Christ, who is not only the living, but is also the written words in our lives. Amen and amen.